welcome to today's podcast. I'm joined by Lisa and Sarah from Evolve HR and very pleased to say we have our first guest on the podcast, uh, Duncan Ibbs joining us, who is the Director of Business Development for Evadira. Um, reason we've invited Duncan on the podcast today, uh, we feel there's some great synergy between um, his career and the, the two businesses that we run. Mm-hmm. So thank you for joining us. How does it feel to be our first guest? I am, I'm honoured. I'm honoured, very honoured. Yeah, very happy to be here. Good, thank you. No, appreciate you taking the time. Um, so uh, I'll hand over to Lisa actually, because I know for, we've we've interacted for a little while now. But um, yeah, Lisa, over to you. Yeah, so uh, welcome. Thank you for thank joining you. us. I guess for us, it would be really nice to hear a little bit about your career and kind of your journey and your story, because I think it's quite interesting and it'll be uh, something we can just chat about. Okay, how long how long have you got? Uh, about 40, 40 minutes. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I'll I'll kind of start way back. I think mm. that that makes sense based on Chris's introduction and and your question and try and linking the two together. So I started my career originally in a sports coaching company, um, and my role in that company evolved into uh, a bit of a, a, a training and recruitment capacity. So we did a lot of seasonal work and I ended up actually training a lot of the seasonal staff, ended up training some of our, our customers that we worked with. And then on a seasonal basis, did a lot of, of recruitment for those staff on a rotational kind of system. Um, I, I guess when I look back now, that was probably the start of me finding out what I would describe as as my my kind of why. So what makes me tick? What drives me? What are some of my skills and what are some of my attributes? And I didn't realize it at the time. What I what I was most kind of motivated by um, and potentially good at was building a relationship quite quickly and understanding kind of emotional cues and emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't realize that at the time, but that was helping me quite a lot to be successful in some of those things. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm if I'm brutally honest. Um, Due to my personal circumstances, I met my wife a few years before. Mm-hmm. She had two children when I met her, two really young children, and we'd had uh, another child ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I was actually looking t- to try and do something with those skills that would give me a little bit more of a sustainable career where, like I said, if I'm being brutally honest, I wanted to earn more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's enough. okay to go to work and want to earn more money. Right. <laughs> right. I, had, you know, I wanted to, to provide for, for a growing family yeah. and I wanted to think about the, the leisure industry that I was in was fantastic and it was, mm-hmm. it was great to be part of. But unfortunately, I had aspirations to try and do some more expensive things mm-hmm. in my life and I, I needed, <laughs> you know, I needed to, to find a way to try and do that. Mm-hmm. And that was a really big motivation for me. You know, mm-hmm. How can I provide for my family that I, I now have? Um, and how can I create something that's perhaps more longer term yeah. when I get to a different point in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually applied to uh, a recruitment company called Michael Page. Oh, we know Michael Page. Michael they are Page. still around, oh, yes. yes. I thought you might. <laughs> and um, because of the recruitment I've been doing in the training job, mm-hmm. that for me felt like uh, it was a natural skill that I thought I, I was I was learning and I was actually enjoying yeah. and I was potentially had some good attributes and characteristics that that could mm. could be transferable. And that process was probably one of the most, I, I still regard it today, one of the most valuable things in my life. Mm. I To fast forward that story, I, I went through an interview process with, you know, an international publicly traded company. 
uh, who were incredibly well put together. Mm. Yeah, they they had been you know on on the um, Financial Times Stock Exchange for 10, 15 years at that point, mm-hmm. um, and we're going back to two thousand and seven. So at a time where economy was actually coming off of a little bit of a high and they'd had some really, really good years. And they, to, to their to their testament, I think they saw something interesting in me, mm-hmm. but it was a bit of a risk. Mm-hmm. I'd come from the leisure industry. I had no idea about commercial business. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about different industry sectors, different business models. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about how to hold a commercial conversation with with, with a client or a customer. And they put me through... Uh, five interviews and one of them was um, they asked me to read the Financial Times mm-hmm. and the business section of the Times over a two two week period and go into London to have an interview one, with one of their commercial directors just to talk about current business. Wow. Nothing else other than current business. Mm. It's a lot of interview process. Yeah. Right? It was huge. We would advise our clients that that's a, a- a lot and, and you're exactly. saying that was for a, an yeah. entry-level recruitment job it, it was it yeah. was I, I think they wanted to understand did i have the ability to learn new mm. skills quickly mm-hmm. yes i had certain attributes that would be transferable mm. but how quickly could i pick up different things that they really wanted me to to be able to learn and transfer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. two quick um, questions actually before you carry on so why recruitment when you said you wanted to find a career path that you could go and um earn more money and provide for your family why did you choose to apply to recruitment business i think it goes back to kind of what what i mentioned earlier um one of those age-old questions where people ask you in an interview like what are your strengths or what are your weaknesses i'm not sure i'd phrase it like that i'd phrase it there are skills and attributes that you can apply in a different like each situation is contextual Mm -hmm. so someone's weakness can be another strength in a different Mm -hmm. situation yep Mm -hmm. um i i mean if i'm if i'm really thinking about it i was an only child so in order to make friends, in order to have a relationship with anyone, I actually had to build that myself. It was never going to be my brother or sister, yeah, or I was never going to have people in yeah. the house that yeah. were there for any other reason than me if they, if they were younger people in the house. So that's something I had to develop myself. And I think it goes back to that. I loved, I actually started, I became good at enjoying that interaction of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. If you're because, uncomfortable, you're learning, right? Right. And I, I, as I've got older, I've, I've learned that actually that's something I really enjoy. Mm. And when I was doing that in the education and training company, I, I got a real buzz out of finding the right people that I thought were going to be great for our, our mm. business and mm. great for our group mm-hmm. and bring something really valuable. And at the same time, giving them that feeling that they're valued. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a bit, cheesy or cliche to say it was helping people. I, I felt that I was, A, I was doing something really good in mm-hmm. their life, yeah, yeah. but they were also bringing something really valuable to, to yeah. our company. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me think about recruitment. I thought, what, you know, what do I enjoy, first of all? If I'm going to build a career somewhere, what do I enjoy and what do I think I'm, I'm relatively good at and I could improve and I could learn? Mm-hmm. And that's where the Michael Page piece came in. Okay. Um, and which sector or verticals were you recruiting in when you joined yeah. Michael Page? So this was completely by accident. I had no idea which part. I think you apply for like a, a general application and then, then they it's filtered depending yeah, on which right. yeah, yeah. which which industry sector mm. needs, you know, needs Somebody. support, needs mm. resources. 
Um, so I found myself in the HR recruitment division. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. And how was that? <laughs> uh, a huge, huge learning curve. You know, I, I had, I actually had at that point almost no idea of, of what mm. was involved in human resources. Mm. If you had said to me, employee relations or compensation and benefits or learning and development, yeah. I, I knew what recruitment was, but did I even know that it was part of an HR function? Probably not yeah. at that mm-hmm. point. Um, so it was, a, it was, yeah, I mean, the first year I did that job for, for nearly four years and the first year was, was yeah, a huge learning curve. Just mm-hmm. understanding industry-wise in human resources, mm-hmm. what are the relevant skill sets yeah. and what are we looking for? Mm-hmm. What, what does good mean? Yeah, I was going to say. What does high performance mean in that, yeah. in that industry? Yeah. Um, which was great. Actually, it taught, me, it taught me a huge amount because as I'm sure both of you know really well, a human resource is part of, of everything that goes on inside an organisation. Yeah, absolutely. It's a massive partner too. And, it's, and I think it's changed over the years because it's now, I believe, a commercial partner. So they help to build the bottom line for any organisation that they're in. So, yeah. So, and what was it like sort of recruiting back then in that kind of area in terms of HR and talent and that kind of, those kind of roles? Easy? Lots no. of people on the market, great skills? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. So, so <laughs> I think probably similar to, to what you find today. So, I mean, it's, it's a, a, a very, very competitive market. Mm-hmm. Um, good people are, or were, were difficult to find. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there were certain roles, you know, particularly employee relations, where mm-hmm. you, know, you were dealing with sensitive subjects, people who had particular experiences in industry mm-hmm. sectors. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the experience you have in uh, an engineering and manufacturing company is completely different to the yeah. experience you have in an IT or tech yeah, company absolutely. in terms of the ER issues yeah. that mm-hmm. come up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was learning those subtle nuances mm-hmm. of, yeah. okay, if, if, and that's what I really, really enjoyed is, is going to find to find out what this company is looking for. Mm. Um, and that the, the training that I got inside Michael Page was probably some of the best training I've, I've had in my life mm. in, in terms of how to navigate a conversation, yeah. how to say less, which is not really a good example today, but <laughs> um, how to say less and listen more yeah. to what somebody wants. Mm. And then I love this idea that you could build a relationship with someone to understand okay how can i how can i try and have an impact mm. on their business this is like almost like running my own little business mm-hmm. here this is this is my customer and my client they're looking for something in particular my job is to go and find that i try and deliver that and we have a relationship where that expands over a, a longer period of time. Yeah. It's not just a, okay, you want this, a transaction. Yeah. 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 yeah, we've talked about that before, haven't we? Yeah. Around like, you know, um, the, how... The importance of building long-term relationships and being a true partner. Yeah, not being yeah. transactional. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I really enjoyed that. That was mm. something. But it was, you know, it, I'm, like I said, I'm going back to the to mid-2000s and it was at the time where actually the economy was going through a little bit of a, a difficult spot in 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, companies were actually shrinking a little or certainly mm-hmm. tightening their budgets a little, but HR was still critically important in mm-hmm. that phase. So we had certainly an abundance of jobs and a lack of a lack of candidates, which mm-hmm. I think is probably similar to, to the market today. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Michael Page, what happened after that? Did you move away from Michael Page and continue recruiting or how did that transition? <clears throat> I, I did. So it's actually, so as Chris started today in, in terms of, you know, transferable skills and the power of relationships, I I hired during the the kind of last year at Micropage, um, last year I was there at Micropage, I 
I hired a, a chap um, to work for GlaxoSmithKline mm-hmm. in, in quite a senior mm-hmm. uh, HR transition role. So it was HR finance and transition. He actually reported into the, the, the CFO at the time. Mm-hmm. And he had his own, he was a contractor. So he had his own consulting company. Mm-hmm. He'd been in HR for, for, for a long time. And the way the, the Michael Page uh, business model worked, he was actually employed by Michael Page and subcontracted to GSK. He was, oh, our, right, he, okay. he was essentially yes. a temp through, yeah. through us. Yeah. So it was my job. He was obviously paid quite well. And it was my job to manage this relationship with him and make sure that GSK were happy, he was happy, and everything was, was working working well. Over a period of time, we actually became really good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up going to his wedding and all, all sorts of things. And so there's the relationship mm-hmm. piece, yep. right? right? So it wasn't just mm-hmm. managing his yeah. work commitments and his work life, but it was actually building a relationship with him. Um, he then finished that contract at, at GSK and went to work for uh, a company called United Health, um, who actually are a US health insurance company, but had a number of businesses in the European market mm-hmm. in um, in healthcare and primary care. Mm-hmm. And we remained friends. Um, and at the time my son was probably two and a half, three, and I was working back in the 2000s, Michael Page had a pretty brutal brutal work culture. <laughs> Old so school I was, recruitment. Yeah, I was in the office before eight and I didn't leave before seven. Mm. Um, and was quite often later than that. I was starting to reevaluate, okay, I've got a young family, yes, I feel like I've done something really good in terms of moving into this role, but how sustainable is is that long term if I want to to have some family time and have a, mm, a little balance. bit more of a balance in my mm. life? Um, so, it, all things happen for for a particular reason. Um, I was kind of considering what I was going to do, and this chap that I'd become really good friends with called me and said, um, "You know, I'm now at United." Um, something came up this week and I thought of you, I know you've been talking about, you know, what you want to do longer term. Mm -hmm. We've got an internal recruitment position that's just come up to manage some of our European portfolio of of companies. Would would you be be interested? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, would I, would I work for you? And he was like, well, yeah, kind of. (laughs) And he, he, he was great actually, because he he didn't really give me any, any inkling of what was going to happen, but I wasn't actually reporting to him, although he was leading the HR function. There was actually a, a recruitment lead mm, in that right. in that in that structure. Um, so there was me thinking, well, this is an absolute slam dunk. You know, we've got a great relationship. He's a really good friend. I see him twice a week. You know, mm, this is perfect. surely. And then obviously went into that situation and realised very quickly that no, this is an interview process. <laughs> <laughs> very competitive, and uh, yeah. So I mean, thankfully. That that worked out, but I had to meet two or three people in mm. in that business and and go through a a pretty robust yeah. interview process. Um, and how was internal recruitment different from Michael Page? Because Michael Page is a recruitment agency, mm-hmm. work with lots of clients, and then you go in house. So what's the what's the difference? And I would imagine relationships. It'd be interesting to take have your view on the relationships, whether it's different in an agency and different to an internal. I mean, I th- I think. The, the fundamental thing is is my my the the objective of my job in Michael Page, if I'm being brutal honest, was to make money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my objective in an internal recruitment position was actually to try and provide something that has huge impact and value to, mm. to the company, as well as trying to save money 
Yeah. Right. So almost an, op- yeah. an opposite, yeah. an opposite yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I could, if I could, if I could find a situation where I was actually finding a candidate, candidate directly, and not using an agency partner or not using any any paid for service to do that, you know, depending on the salary, anywhere between seven to thirty thousand pounds would have been the fee, mm. and I was generating that myself yeah. without mm-hmm. without doing that. So that that was actually really motivating for me. I think to to be part of something where I could use some of those skills I'd learned for the previous four years yeah. to say, well, actually, I could I can do this myself. I don't I don't need to have an agency partner mm-hmm. for everything. There was certainly value in having an agency partner, yeah. a real value in in certain roles. Mm. Um, but there were some things we could do. You know, I could do internally. Mm-hmm. And then the relationship piece is it different when you're an agency worker to an in-house recruiter? The way that you use them and build them. So. Yes, yes. Um, I think in an internal recruitment role, you get much more time and much more visibility mm. into what's really behind the ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In an agency role, quite often it's it's a little bit of a guarded situation. They're not going to tell you everything. Mm-hmm. You might have 10 minutes with a hiring a manager. Brief, right? it. Yeah. kind of thing. In, it's certainly in your world now. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's quite one-dimensional. You know, in a lot of ways, yeah. well, not for every client, because back to the relationship piece, right? The, yeah. the better and stronger you build the relationship, the more you understand the kind of 360 of what's yeah. going on with the organisation. Mm. But I would imagine sometimes that you get a piece of paper and it's like, I want to recruit for this. Yeah. But there's not yeah. much context around it. Whereas when you're no. in-house, you that's see a very it, different feel yeah, it, it. Yeah. live it, breathe We almost it. refuse to work a job unless we're given a... A, obviously i'm in agency now Proper like brief. unless we're given some time with a hiring manager we almost refuse to work a job and i think the days of like yeah here's a job description go and Off find go. someone that matches it like they just mm. don't really exist and like agencies can't add value in that way well i mean how often in in your world i'm assuming this happens quite a lot mm. but i might be wrong there's a candidate ask you a question and you think oh, i'd never even thought of that mm. like yeah. i don't know the answer to that yeah it's so true whereas in an in an in-house role there was almost there was almost nothing that I didn't know about mm. the company, so I could mm-hmm. formulate an answer depending on mm. what I what I wanted the outcome to try and be. Yeah, because I knew all of that information. Mm. There's a there's a phrase I don't know if you, you guys have ever come across this, but vision drives decision, and I lo- it's one of my favourite things because so often in businesses things happen internally mm-hmm. and employees don't know why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because there's no vision com- communicated yeah. on that. And what it does is it actually makes people react in a particular way mm-hmm. to minimize risk. Yeah. And they're not seeing the vision. If you showed them the vision and said, this is why we're making this decision, they're much more likely to make a probably a much better decision. Mm-hmm. And they a might more still react, but in a different way, right? So I heard, I heard a stat this week, which I've, I've never heard in, in the kind of 20 years I've been, been working. And they said that you, you're actually 30% more likely to make a better decision in a positive mindset. Mm. That makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, if you're guarded or being defensive about something that's happened in a professional environment, then you make a bit of an inhibited decision, don't you? Because you're you've got guard and boundaries around. Reactive over like actually, what's the best thing to do? Yeah, in a positive frame of mind. And I guess you see, I'm yeah. I think you you look at the positives in the whatever the decision is, and you're hoping for a positive outcome. I think you feel you feel differently about the decision making process, probably completely. So it becomes it then becomes slightly more emotional, yeah. which has a more powerful feeling. Mm. And isn't always the right way to make a decision, though. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> following true. your emotion. 
no, no, that's I, I agree, I agree. But I think if you can see, if you can see the vision and the reasons mm. why things are happening, mm. then yeah, it that. it has a slightly more positive tone mm-hmm. to it. If you don't see, if you don't see the vision and the reason why certain situations happen, you tend to be human nature is you tend to be defensive. Yeah. Like, why is this happening? What's gonna What's gonna happen? Mm. I'm unsure about this. It's lack of control, like, lack of <laughs> knowledge. Right? Mm. Do because... I go into that cave? Is there a bear in there? Yeah. Like that's you know. <laughs> That, that's yeah. the reaction it goes back to basic communication right like the one thing that employees will find to be disgruntled about in a business is just basic communication like yeah. we've made this decision because here these these are these are reasons why you may or may not dis- like agree with that mm-hmm. but that's the reason why we've made that decision just basic communication um obviously i've been internal as well so how did you find uh, i guess for this for any recruiters out there listening so some people would say that going internal like you've taken the easy option you know, probably a higher basic salary is what tends to happen. You're not commission focused. Like, do you think internal recruitment is easier, was easier or harder than agency? I think there's different, just different focuses, different objectives and different pressures. So the pressure I felt from an internal hiring manager in some ways was similar to the pressure I felt to achieve a financial objective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No hiding place internally though. So, so no, I mean, and, and actually less hiding place internally. So when I was in an agency role, I didn't have to answer a call from a client if I didn't have the information that they were looking for. Yeah. I had no... Particularly going back 10, 15 years ago where somebody could walk around the corner Absolutely. in an office because yeah. we were all spending much more time in the office. Mm. Yeah. So mm. that, was, that was definitely a, sim- a similar pressure. And actually the volume was You're higher. multiple, like more roles, right? Much yeah. higher. And broader, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, you don't at that point. always get your specialism, do you? Yeah, so no. it's, right, yeah. you're, you're across a range of different roles, some of which you know well and some of which you don't. Mm. So then yeah. it's applying that relationship building, commercial. OK, I need to understand this quickly. I guess that's where the agency partner thing is actually useful, right? So I've always believed that um, we should work closely with internal recruiters, which I guess you were and, and obviously I was, because there's going to come a time where you will have a need, right? It's outside of your specialism or you are overloaded with roles and you don't mm. have the time to go into the for that hiring yeah. manager. So I would, again, encourage any agency recruiters out there to build relationships with internal partners. And likewise, don't be that internal partner that's very mm-hmm. defensive, very guarded, because there will come a time where there is a need. And ultimately, like um, when I was internal, my our metric wasn't on saving agency spend or um, anything like that. It wasn't time to hire. I hate that metric personally. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually around how satisfied the hiring manager was after three and six months and the yeah. candidate employee was after yeah. three and six months. Yeah. Have we have we told that potential employee like all the, the good things about the business, the bad things about the business, and does the hiring manager feel like they've made the right decision? And that's how I was measured. So was it the same for you back then or was it more around agency spend, time to hire and all those things? Uh, it, it certainly was time to hire mm-hmm. and as you say agency spend was was key um i think you're kind of touching on something that i think is really important that that was probably my my biggest kind of learning around how do i prioritize mm-hmm. because t- to your point so in an agency in an agency role the client who shouts the loudest mm. you, you tend you tended yeah. to give the most attention because that was mm. a fire that was burning and you needed to to address yeah. it or the bigger fee or exclusivity right. over non-exclusivity. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of ways you can prioritize as an agency recruiter. Completely, completely. And then internally, that becomes a slightly different 
a slightly different prioritization exercise. Mm-hmm. What what is more critical for the business? What has more value yeah, to to you know, to be working on first? Mm. And actually, there then becomes an element of your relationship changing with your customer or your hiring manager because mm. I needed to be able to explain to those hiring managers why I was focusing mm. in a particular that's area. That's the hardest bit. Like you've got 40 jobs internally. Why you're not working on that? 100%. Right? And that's why like I found it was really important, again, communication, relationship, like going to speak to the recruitment lead or the CEO, whoever you're reporting into and saying, right, we've got 40 jobs. Mm. I can maybe source for three a week, maybe, to get like half decent coverage. How are we prioritizing those roles? And actually, is that being communicated effectively to those hiring managers? Because they're going to feel disgruntled. Like if you come to me and I'm working your job and you come to me and I'm not working your job, you're going to be angry. Right. Why yeah. am I not focusing on your job? But but also from a relationship point of view, it, it was hugely beneficial for me to have a positive relationship with that hiring manager. Because actually, if I if I wasn't dedicating all of the time that they they personally wanted, if my relationship was strong enough, we could actually come up with some creative solutions where they could could help me mm-hmm. in that process. Yeah. And and try and we could try and have more of a partnership to do that together. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really, really important. Expectation yeah. setting, I think, isn't it? I yeah. can remember when I was working with Bossa, a games uh, company. I worked with Daniel, who was the um, co is still the co CEO. Actually, we prioritised. I was doing the recruitment. I'm not a recruiter, but we were doing recruitment. So every week, I would sit and we would prioritise those roles. Yeah, traffic we light te- system. Yeah, we yeah. would tell the managers whose were priority. We knew they weren't going to be happy about those priorities, but we would explain why. We'd explain the impact on the business if we didn't have that role in at a certain time mm-hmm. and how that would impact everybody. And it was just really, and Dan was really good at communicating um, and kind of setting those expectations. And I learned from that because I'm not a recruiter and it's not what I naturally do. But I naturally set expectations outside of that as a HR professional. Yeah. But just to see the sort of the way that, and it just... Yeah, and it worked, and it re- it re- it really really worked. And those red rolls came off, and you felt like you'd a sense of achievement because yeah. you'd actually hired great hires. And then the other managers' roles are starting to come up to the top. Right. So yeah. yeah, it was a good process. And I guess um, changing the the topic slightly, like we're in a situation at the moment, economy wise, we know companies are making redundancies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So what happened next for you? So you were mm-hmm. internal recruitment. How long did you stay there? So it was just about four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, so. It was one of those situations where there's kind of a a question that gets asked a lot in industry is what's the best you know what's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given, mm. and it was a moment when I when I look back on it now if, if anyone ever asked me that question the answer I would give is 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 what I'm about to to share with you guys which is the the best piece of advice I've I've ever was ever given was in in that role mm. by my I, I had a a new a new line manager mm-hmm. that changed after a couple of years a new line manager and um the advice that that they gave me was actually the worst piece of advice i've ever been given <laughs> best and the worst <laughs> but the best because i i knew at that point i i knew i i felt like i i was onto something mm-hmm. and the advice that that they gave me at the time was we were sitting in a one-to-one and i had quite a large portfolio of opportunities and the advice that came back at me was your relationships are worth nothing. You need to do this and this and this and this and this. And that was their management style. Mm-hmm. And I remember zoning out for a second over the desk and thinking, I completely disagree, mm-hmm. completely disagree. 
but you're not seeing this and this and this. And there's all of these elements that are, that are in play here. And if I can get those pieces right, that jigsaw puzzle will fit together. And I, I remember walking out of that meeting and thinking, I, I, that can't be right. Mm. That can't be right. Everything in my body was telling me that actually the relationships were the key yeah. part of me yeah. being able to achieve some of the things I wanted to, or the business wanted me to. Mm. And then to answer your question, fast forward, um, I don't know exactly how much later than, than that instance, but I was recruiting for uh, a European uh, business development role. And the hiring manager was based in the US. And it was in quite a technical space. Uh, it was in health economics, outcomes research, mm. um, clinical and observational um, study development. And there was a regulatory element to it. So there was a lot of learning mm. I had to do that. So I spent a lot of time with the hiring manager in the US mm. trying to find the right skill sets in Europe. Mm. And we'd set up a, an interview panel. So I did a lot of interviewing on the phone. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of interviewing together. So I'd kind of screen. Mm -hmm. We'd then interview together for mm. the right skill set. So I was really trying to understand the questions that yeah, she was asked. asking. What was the <clears throat> skill set here? What did what did lots of different acronyms mean? Mm -hmm. Like how could I, how could I speak mm -hmm. uh, credibly and sensibly to a candidate? Mm -hmm. So this was probably over a period of a month, six weeks. I, I don't know exactly how long. Um, and we set up uh, a recruitment kind of. Uh, an assessment week, I suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. the the hiring manager flew over from the US. We had the top, I think, six or seven candidates out of everything we had been doing over the past you know, four, six weeks. And then we had <clears throat> one of the existing business development directors and one of the subject matter experts from one of those scientific research groups yeah. join us in the kind of assessment days. So we set up kind of three consecutive days. Mm. All the candidates came in consecutively mm -hmm. and we interviewed together as a panel and I kind of managed a, lo a lot of the logistics for mm -hmm. that with with the hiring manager and I'll, I'll never forget the situation actually so it was a Friday morning and we used to do uh, dress down on Fridays oh. so it was, it was God, back right. in the days it was quite corporate all week you know shirt yeah, and, yeah. Or, or certainly a polo shirt or something something Cash a little smarter and then you know there was me in a in a huge pair of jeans and a hoodie on a on, yeah. a, on a Friday <laughs> and um the hiring manager was actually flying back on that Friday and I'd, I'd walked into the office it was probably as Chris knows me what well, can't have been that early because I'm not an early person <laughs> so it was probably around 9am something like that and my, my phone goes and, and it was the hiring manager. And I thought, oh, she's probably just getting on the plane to go back. So we talked for a, for a second and, and she said, um, I was asking about, look, how do you feel? Like, have you got any preferences? And let's have a feedback session mm. next week. And, and she said, look, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah, of course, like go for it. She said, have you ever considered a role in sales? And I kind of remember thinking, oh, my goodness, what do I, what do I say to this? <laughs> And I said, well, yeah, I said, I've, I've thought about it. I mm. said, but I'm not sure. I'm not certainly not sure I have the skills or the capability or the knowledge to do it. Mm. And she said, well, I want to hire you into this role. The role yeah. that you were rec yeah. recruiting for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I guess you've done some selling, right? Recruitment is a commercial role. I mean, very different to selling well, the services. But, yeah, yeah, huge, yeah, huge shift. Really, but but yeah. from a needing to get to a certain scenario point of view, you may have had some experience doing it. Uh, yeah, I, th I think so. Funnily enough, I actually saw that same lady this week uh, ah, who gosh. I consider to, and this is 14 years later, who I consider to be 
now a bit of a mentor <clears throat> and, and definitely a personal nice. friend. Um, and she's still in the industry and we have okay. a great relationship. And um, I actually saw her uh, across a conference and, and she came towards me and we had a, a huge hug. And the person with me said, my goodness, that was a nice hug. <laughs> and I, I still like, she gave me my first opportunity in in a real commercial business development sales role and she, and she took a real Risk. gamble and yeah. I, yeah. I have to tell the story from an hr point of view so you can imagine oh my god <laughs> you can imagine internally so my I, I don't know exactly now but my job band let's say my job band as an internal recruiter was band four or band mm -hmm. five mm -hmm. yeah. this role was like band seven uh -oh. there was <laughs> There was there was a huge huge salary jump yeah, between what I was doing and, and what this role was paying, um, uh, and yeah, my as I described before, I, I didn't have um, a wonderful the, relationship yeah, with with my line advice. manager, yeah. um, and you can imagine how my line manager took that. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very very difficult transition. So what was it that she saw in you? Do you, you know, she must have expressed because you were sat there thinking, well, hang on a second, and I'm a recruiter and now you're offering me a sales role. Did she, did she tell you what she saw in you? She must have as part of that conversation. I think later in our, in our okay. relationship, probably. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I, I, I mean, you have to ask her that, I guess, <laughs> but um, I think, I think she saw lots of the things that we've already been talking yeah. about. Um the ability to build a relationship, the ability to learn new information quickly and, mm. a, and apply it yeah, in a credible yeah. way. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess that's, when I look back, that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah. I, I didn't have... You, know, you didn't have that specialist knowledge. That's an interesting one, isn't it, in a sales role? Yeah. Which is that you were learning the acronyms, mm. right? You mm. wanted yeah. to make sure that you, you Sounded learned it credible. Quickly, yeah. But then there's that deep dive in terms of that, right, I've accepted the role. Mm. I've better flip and learn. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. I've got a job to which is, I guess, what you've done at Michael Page. And, you know, it's a repetitive cycle yeah. for you in terms of deep dive, learn more, be able to present credibly and build those relationships with depth. I mean, I definitely felt imposter syndrome. I definitely felt really vulnerable in mm. that situation. I, I was, obviously, it was a, a huge compliment. Mm. Yes. But I, I was, mm. I was, it was a risk mm -hmm. for, for her and for me and more for her. Um, so what, what I actually decided to do was the the part of the business that I was responsible for representing in front of a client. And, and I used it that way because what it, it wasn't selling. Although it was in a business development role and I, and I still am, mm -hmm. in the world that I'm in now in terms of life sciences yeah. and particularly kind of that health economics outcomes research yeah. real world evidence space, I'm selling intellectual property, mm -hmm. so I, I can't sell it. No, no, get it. Because it's yeah. not a product. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's what she saw was recruitment. You're actually selling the same thing. You're yes. selling someone's ability to yeah, be able yeah. to deliver that's something. True. Yeah. yeah. And you're not. It's not. I'm not going in saying I've got one of these and it's much better than the one you've got. It's not a product. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like, I can't put something on the table no, and no, say, no. look at this. Yeah. So you can't really sell it. It has to evolve mm. through a relationship and through understanding what the value is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what she saw yeah. was Building the ability trust, right? you could take. Yeah, it is. It's, it's delivering what you say you're going to, right? Even though it's not a product, which yeah. is a lot of what yeah, we yeah. do too. Yeah. Which for is you, for you so guys, it's a I mean, for all three of you, that's IP. It's you know, it's whatever it happens to be, and that is critical. Going back to the relationship piece, because without that, that won't exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I at the time I sat in the the corporate 
office yeah. for, for the company because that's where the HR function yeah. was. And I obviously still had, I, I mean, I, in this new business development role, I could be based Wherever. from home. Yeah. I could be based from anywhere. And I made the decision to go to a different office where those subject matter experts were who were delivering the work for our clients. Yeah. I thought, actually, if I, if I really want to understand much, much deeper this organization and be able mm -hmm. to represent them accurately and build a relationship with them now because mm -hmm. they're now my stakeholders. Mm. I went to the kind of business lead for, for that, that business group and I said, can I come and work in, in this office like two or three days a week? And I remember the reaction. Why, Why do you want to do that? Yeah. It's what we get a lot of. It's that immersion that you need in terms of understanding, but it is an automatic, well, hang on a second, yeah. what are you here to do? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you want to be here? Yeah, like, what, yeah. you know, what are you going to tell people? Yeah. Or, you know, it's yeah. when HR <laughs> sit next to the developer in the office. I used to sit on the floor because I'm not, not literally I was gonna say on the floor. Physically no, the floor. not on the floor floor, but I go out of the office, go out of that environment, sit, sit down with the them. guys. Yeah. I'm not overly technical, as we've said in uh, previous podcasts but i would sit and ask them because i'm quite a visual person so yeah. i would go what what, what are you that? doing why yeah. are you writing that and then and at first they'd be a bit like oh god what she's watching god, me what's she gonna yeah. say what's she doing that's because you're recording <laughs> and then i'd ask them and they would actually it just built such a great relationship yeah. because i'd asked mm. and i had an interest didn't really understand what they told me if i'm being particularly yeah. honest but it gave me a visual idea of what they did and, and why they were doing it yeah. and i think that's changed now because i was going to go back to the point you made about i sat with hr in the corporate office and i thought god those days have gone now haven't they thank goodness yeah where we are much more uh, working sort of like all together blended working spaces and i think from an hr perspective that is so important because the look, the see, the feel and the hear, which are all physical things, I think, to a certain extent, are all part of what we do and how we learn about people and how we manage things before they actually become a problem. Because you can see and you can feel it and you can hear it and you just, it's like, I don't know, there's a, there's a sense that you have. Mm. And I think us all being together, but you're saying, you know, HR in the corporate office, it's just so different. It just sort of took me back a bit to think, God, yes, how yeah. things are so different now. But I, th I guarantee you, you doing that and making the effort to go and spend that time oh, in that yes. office has played a huge part in your success today right yeah and and i would advise anyone i actually heard a clip uh yesterday on linkedin from a, a rec to rec who was talking about um graduates who want to go into recruitment or just junior people that i don't know might have done a state agency for 12 months and they're like oh i hear recruitment's interesting and good and he was saying how you have to put the graft in at the start and you mm. have to fully immerse yourself like recruitment yeah. in theory is a relatively simple process um, but there are complexities around technical skill sets and obviously yeah. you're managing multiple processes and stakeholders that we've talked about. Um, but you have to immerse yourself in, in anything you do. And I guarantee you that you making that effort to go and sit in that office, which was probably further from home, again, working longer hours, whatever it might be, has set you up for your success today. Would you agree? I think so. Yeah. I, um... <laughs> There's only one Leading question. <laughs> I guess I have to. <laughs> so, but I, I think Lisa's, so to pick up on something Lisa said, going way back to where I started, and this is about, again, it's about your, your own personal characteristics and attributes, and it's about self-awareness. I think you, you've got to make sure you understand what works for, for you. So mm -hmm. to be self-aware enough to know that I have to do these things mm -hmm. in order, in order to, to, to be successful or yeah. to try and drive the, the right outcomes. And I think if you know you're a visual learner and you mm -hmm. know that that's the way mm -hmm. some yeah. people can do those things amazingly without without going into the office some people can pick that yeah. that up yeah. if you're the kind of person that you and i are 
where you need that fourth dimension yeah. of actually to your point using slightly different senses yeah. you want to see it on a screen you want yeah. someone to show some enthusiasm about talking yeah. about it and you you want to feel that a little bit mm-hmm. and then it go, and then it goes into to your to your brain in, in a slightly different yeah. way 100%. and that's definitely for me that was i had to be immersed in that and be in that feeling mm-hmm. for it to go in and i'm yeah. still like that today yeah, I'm absolutely a visual learner. I can talk and talk and talk, but I have to go away and then have to draw it. I have to go home and put it on a board. I have to put it down on paper. I have to do something because otherwise it's just lots of words whirring around in my very small brain that don't connect to each other. So I just have to have to put something down. But there is something I did want to ask um, is just about the transition of your skills because you've obviously started off in the sports world, then you started off recruitment and then a slightly different type of recruitment, so external, internal. Now you're in a sales role, which is fundamentally quite different. I know we say there is a link for recruitment, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this is quite different what you do today. How... Like how have you those how have the skills transitioned through that sort of like career journey for you? As we've just described, it mm. was never a conscious mm. decision. Yeah. So mm. I, I kind of never set out to say I want that role. Yeah. Um and I, I again this sounds maybe a bit cliche, but it found me. Mm-hmm. I didn't I, I didn't know that, that was gonna happen. So I think when I when I think about the skills, how they've evolved, it, it's an evolution of the ability to manage a relationship at, at different levels. Mm-hmm. And and actually, there are some real similarities between any process of buying or selling mm. anything. Mm-hmm. In, in your personal life, in different industry sectors, one of the, the biggest influencing factors, and we've, we've talked about this before, is, is that emotional element of feeling comfortable mm. with the decision you make. Mm-hmm. And whether that's, you know, looking for a tradesperson for for your house, mm-hmm. whether it's buying a luxury item, whether it's actually procuring something in a commercial business situation, yeah. there is an element of okay, how how comfortable do I feel once I've made a decision? How comfortable do I feel in that delivery? Mm-hmm. And and that's the key, right? Because it's it's once this happens, it's never ever going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So how yeah, do I feel? Absolutely. How do I yeah. feel with That's my with my object? Whatever yeah. my object is, how do I feel yeah. with my object from this point onwards is actually where the relationship really starts. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Now, yeah. if if you feel like if you feel like you have a great deal on something, mm-hmm. people say, "Oh, I've had a, or I've had a negotiation with with this person, and you know, I got this for this, and I feel like this is the yeah, best yeah. deal ever." How does how have you left that person feeling and how's that relationship going to go once whatever that thing is, you go back to them and you say, I've got a slight problem with this. Yeah. Do they remember how you made them feel Mm -hmm. in, in that initial buying situation? Mm -hmm. It's a real, it's a really important concept. Yeah. And now I'm at a point where I I have a team of, have a team of six and we have a huge multi-million dollar target. Mm -hmm. One of the most important things is people are only going to remember a very small amount of what you say. Oh, yeah. But they're yeah. going to remember a huge amount of how you made them feel. Yeah, totally. And we said, didn't we, people buy from people. 100%. There's an authenticity piece in yeah. that, isn't there? Yeah. Which is... And you, it big, has to I come think. from it has Absolutely. to come from how you want that to be. I right? agree. And there are lots of people who are really, really successful and yeah. don't have that mindset. No. Mm. It depends on how you want that relationship to yeah. be managed in, 
in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think to, to answer your question, the, I think the reason those skills evolved and they were potentially valuable is all of those relationships that we've talked about. My view on that was this is not now. This is not just now. I, I want this to happen now. Yeah, this is future. something that I'm invested in, yeah. invested in for however long it, it needs to be. So this, yeah. the same person, the same person I was talking about earlier, who was my contractor at GSK, I had a LinkedIn message conversation with this morning mm. and I'm going to see him in two weeks' time. I haven't seen him for about a year. But we, we, I still have, my point is I still have that yeah, relationship. Yeah. So it was never a yeah. one track, I'm going to hire you, I'm going to hire you for it. GSK, I'm going to make yeah. lots of money from you and see you later, yeah. never yeah. want to speak to you again. You served a purpose. So with that last um, set of thoughts in mind, what advice collectively would we give somebody who's at a point in their career where they're looking to make a change, um, thinking about the skills that, that they have and reflecting on that. What, what advice would all of us give to that person? I guess, or Sarah, someone who finds himself in a situation where due to economic circumstances, yeah, no, that's a good point. Mm. industry circumstances, yeah. they need to make that, that change. Yeah, that, that yeah. change is somehow forced yes, upon, upon them, them and, they, and they need to, to think about, or they're yeah. in a situation where they're thinking about, okay, what are my transferable skills or what yeah. are my, I think the way I phrased it earlier, what are my characteristics and attributes, which I love, I kind of love that phrase rather than strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As our guest, why don't you answer first? Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, if I think about what we've discussed today, mm. I, it's been really, it's actually been really useful for, for, for me to talk about it. Um, Cause when I go back, to, to some of those circumstances and situations, mm-hmm. it reaffirms what what's my own personal kind of what what makes what motivates me, mm. um, what you, what gets me kind of enthusiastic about doing my job, yeah. and those are the things naturally. Anything you answer to in that in that circumstance, those are the things naturally you're usually pretty good at, right? Mm-hmm. So if you feel if you feel comfortable with something and you feel like you're achieving something, those are normally things that naturally you're good at. Mm-hmm. So I think I would encourage people to think about right back from their childhood, where did they feel most comfortable? Mm. What were the situations they felt like, oh, that was good. That was that was a success or that that felt like something I could do again. Yeah. Um, and it try and take that into another area of, of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, but not, not too consciously, right? Because I, I don't feel like mm. the more that's, it, it will find you. Mm-hmm. So explore and, and be curious. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think what we talked about earlier is like, if you're, if you're optimistic, I think you said something that, which I, positivity. yeah, which I really like mm. that the positivity, but also mm. that, that, as you just said, scared. Yeah. And yeah. excited in equal measures. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? definitely. So I think it's that courage it's a having that courage to take a little bit of a risk. Yeah, a little bit, but a calculated risk because you know, you know deep down, actually, this is something I'm relatively good at. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think the situation, and again, I would referring to a Richard Branson quote. You know, if if someone gives you an opportunity and you don't know how to do it, say yes, learn later. Yeah. But I also think from a career perspective and looking at like people's CVs nowadays, um. People don't stay in companies for 10, 15, 20 years. It's not expected. Like my parents' generation, like you you stay with the same business for a long time. I think yeah. people these days are afforded 
little jumps on their CVs mm-hmm. or little gaps. So like take an opportunity, go and try something. If it doesn't work out, I'm sure you'd have picked something up along the way. So um, yeah, take a risk, I guess. Yeah, and I think, like you said, my motto, I think, for sort of taking the making a change in career or something like that would always be you should be scared and excited excited in equal measures because i feel like I love that. the fear it's really good it's not so bad that you're paralyzed mm-hmm. and the excitement will be the thing that probably propels you to yeah. make a good decision and yeah. i you know and i think back to the decisions i've made in my career and i can remember being stood in a meeting room um for college and i was an administrator i was quite young at the time and the guy said to me do you want to do hr and I stood there and I thought, I don't even know. Oh, no, sorry, it was personnel. <laughs> I was like, I don't, and I could just remember thinking, and I just went, yes. And afterwards, I thought, why did you say yes? You don't even know what you're doing. You've never done it. And he looked at me and he went, you've never done it before, have you? And I said, no, he goes, get yourself on a course then. That's that's and that was how I got into HR. It was never yeah. part of it. But it was that I was scared. I was like, oh, yes, I'm excited. Yeah, I'll just do it. I'll just be a bit fearless. So I definitely think that people that find themselves in a position where they may have been made redundant, which we are seeing um, mm-hmm. across certain sectors of industry at the moment, mm. use it as an opportunity to do something different. Go out there and think about the things that you're excited about. And maybe there'll be some things that you're a little bit scared about doing, but you've always been intrigued and yeah. curious about doing it. Mm. So I think it's having that confidence to go and do that. And I think from Duncan's story, it wasn't just a one-way career. He's gone from, you know... A number of different areas, but the skills are often trans- transferable. But I don't think we always think no, like that. Yeah. And also, I think don't pigeon yourself into an industry. Mm-hmm. You can move from industry to industry. 100%. Your experience may sit within an in- industry, but if you are capable, you will be able to put those skills at work at play in other industries. I definitely think so. That would be mine. Be yeah, be scared and excited in equal measures. How about you? Uh, I think mine would be ask ask others around your transferable skills because yeah, I actually mm. yeah. genuinely Great. think sometimes yeah. you've been in a job for a long time perhaps you, you know you're exiting for whatever reason you sort of lose yourself a bit I think yeah. in either an industry or a you pigeonhole yourself a bit yeah actually it's super important to ask friends mm-hmm. uh, or really, colleagues really talk to me about what you think you know my core skills are because I think genuinely most people are surprised mm-hmm. at what comes out because you get comfortable with doing one thing mm. yeah. you don't necessarily see it as a core strength so that would be yeah, really my good. first and my second would be trust your gut mm-hmm. I look I genuinely do think you people know themselves and if you know to your point if there's an exciting opportunity that's come up and you think you know some your immediate reaction is often the one that you should go with but we yeah. all stop because then you think about your mortgage <laughs> yeah. and the kids and yeah. Yeah. But what if it goes wrong and yeah. you know we're, we're the all biggest self-doubters out there yeah. so I think it's that hold on to that and then explore mm-hmm. yeah so I think two pieces for me cool yeah. um, Duncan it's been really great chatting today thank you so much for your time likewise uh, hope yeah, you've enjoyed thanks. it and um, yeah look forward to speaking again soon thanks yeah. for having me on thanks thank very you. much